You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. So today is going to be pretty simple. We're just going to look at what Pro Football Focus had to say about uh, preseason week two. Um, some of it is somewhat self-evident. Some of the things that you think you know, depending on how much you think PFF is an authority, might... Um, change your perspective a bit but we'll look at all that stuff and again I kind of want to just focus on the really high highs and the really low lows because again it's preseason and um, I don't want to super get into the nuance of everything because preseason I don't think is really for nuance right so I just want to highlight the highlights and we'll kind of leave it at that before we dive in however I want to remind you once again about the draft fantasy football tournament which is the largest NFL season-long tournament ever If you're a big fan of fantasy football, which who kind of isn't, you might want to check out the one that's paying out 3.5 million bucks in total cash prizes. Again, for those that don't know, it is a best ball tournament, which means all you got to do is draft, set it and forget it, and then the best players that you had that week are the points that you will be given. No trades, no waiver wires, no salary caps, no management whatsoever. The, uh, the drafts start every few minutes, so just jump into a real-life snake draft with some of your friends. And in a matter of about 16 weeks or so, you could take home the total cash prize, the number one prize of $1 million. And for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you got to use promo code PACKERNET. That's a free shot at $1 million just by using promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit on draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code PackerNet. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So let's start big picture now and uh, look at 
through two preseason games, and obviously there are some teams that haven't even played, whatever, doesn't matter. The last time we did this, we didn't even have all 32 teams. But let's look at overall grades. Again, doesn't really matter. I, I talked, I think it was yesterday, about the fact that you had some of the best teams like the Rams last year that were dead last. But still, just to give a general idea compared to other teams where the Packers are with certain things, because we know what's good and bad, but it'll give us kind of an idea of relative to where everybody else is at. First of all, overall, offense, defense, special teams, etc., the Packers, out of 32 teams, are 26th. So um, it's as bad as it seems. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. The only silver lining is that the Detroit Lions are dead last. Uh, the Bears right now are tied for ninth. I don't know if their grades came out from yesterday. If not, which I don't think they have, it's probably going to plummet because that was not great for the Bears yesterday. Um, also, the Vikings are 13th. Now, something to keep in mind here, again, not only is it just preseason, but some teams are playing their starters, right? You got rookies that are playing. You've got guys that are coming out. You, you got guys, you know, for example, the Giants. Eli Manning isn't great, but as far as him compared to Deshaun Kaiser, Eli Manning stands apart, and same is true with him compared to a lot of other backups. But then you got Eli and Daniel Jones, who's by all accounts better than Eli. So you got their starting quarterback potentially going up against. So, so you get what I'm saying, right? Not all things are perfectly equal here. I don't know about Matt Stafford, but I'm pretty sure the Vikings and Bears both had their starting quarterbacks uh, play week one. So, you know, I, again, I mean, I, I know some of you already know this and you're, you're tired of me tell, talking to you like a small child. But just understand, some people need to be talked to like a small child because they have a very short fuse. And I'm going to say something and somebody's going to break something or hurt someone. So I'm just after I say something, I just got to remind you it's OK. Everything's fine. It's bad, but it's OK. Offensively. The Packers are rated 16th, which is great news until you realize, oh no, why are they so low in the rankings? Yeah, but uh, middle of the pack for offense, which actually is really good news when you take into account the fact that Aaron Rodgers isn't on the field. Aaron Jones has not been on the field. Uh, the starting offensive line has been very rarely on the field. To be already middle of the pack with all the struggles they've had, et cetera, et cetera, with you know, backup wide receivers and all that kind of stuff, speaks pretty highly of the potential of what happens when Aaron Rodgers takes the field and kind of backs up what I had said about if Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and the starters played four quarters against that Rams team, I think it would be an absolute annihilation. Now, maybe we would have trouble running the ball, but um, I, I think we would have just absolutely taken them to the cleaners. Um, sticking with offense, but zooming in a little bit, the, um, the passing grade was actually 10th, which isn't bad. I mean, the, the grade overall is 70. And essentially, we're just looking at Kaiser and Boyle and, and Manny Wilkins. So not only is that not bad, but it makes me smile so much because, as I said, Mitch Trubisky has been playing. The Bears are 17th. <laughs> and passing does not have anything to do with pass blocking. It doesn't have anything to do with receiving. Those are separate categories. We're just looking at quarterbacks. So the Packers quarterbacks, as bad as they've been, still better than the Bears quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, I just can't help myself, man. It makes me smile. Uh, pass blocking, again, was phenomenal, and we'll get into that. However, the Giants and the Patriots actually did leapfrog the Packers. Again, that's not because the Packers took a step back. Some some of the pass blockers, you know, the lower grades are kind of negatively affecting things. But overall, it's, it's, it's good news. It's very good news for the second week in a row. Um, for the guys that will be starters, as well as some of the backups, like Elton Jenkins, if you follow me on Twitter, you already saw my update on that. But um, lots of great news there. Receiving grade is actually 22nd. I know a lot of people aren't going to like that as much. 
But again, you got to keep in mind that there's a lot of people taking the field, and if we're just looking at well, Kumaro and Shepard are awesome, you're not taking into account the all the guys that are on the field that are just doing terribly. On top of guys that are, you know, I mean the the grade that we got here is a 60, which is average. So you got the guys that are average, you got the guys that are great, and you got the guys that are terrible, and it comes out to 60. So there you go. Uh, run grade 17th, middle of the pack, which is actually surprisingly high because they've been pretty terrible. Uh, run blocking, also 17th, middle of the pack, which is surprising because they've been terrible. Now, the good news is, and again, we'll get into it, it actually did improve this year. Excuse me, this week. I did the draft podcast earlier, which took over an hour, and my brain is a little bit fried. I'm doing my best here. Um, the, the thing to note here, the Packers run blocking grade was a 57, which is poor. But again, the NFL, that's true of every single team. The, the only teams that were 70 or, and above, right, I'm going to list all of them, 70 and above. 60s are average. 70 is good. I'm going to list all the teams. Eagles, Dolphins, Bills. That's literally the whole list of teams that were good. Not one team got in the 80s or 90s. NFL teams cannot run block. End of story. And, and and understand, too, it's not just that they can't run block. It's the fact that they don't take into account competition, which is to say, in the NFL, defensive lines are much better at stopping the run than offensive lines are at blocking four running backs. Just by a wide margin, defensive lines are much better against the run. And maybe that'll switch a little bit um, as we get to more leaner, you know, pass-rushing type defensive linemen and, and we emphasize the run more. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm saying words now, but point is that that's just the situation as it stands. Packers are not good at it, but nobody's good at it. Defense now. Y'all ready for some bad news? The Packers defense is 30th out of 32. The Colts defense and Saints defense are the only two that are worse. The the good news here, again, um, it's preseason, and we know the Colts defense was pretty decent last year. Uh, Saints also not the greatest, but not terrible. The Detroit Lions are 29th. And the Texans are actually 28th, who also... So all of these teams have either good defenses or potentially good defenses. Um, I'm not going to go to the extent of Rex Ryan saying we're going to be a top-five defense. Which, by the way, don't listen to that stuff. I mean, if you want to believe it because you think it's an intellectually honest thing, then great. Rex Ryan is just throwing a bone to Mike Pettin, right? It's, it's no different than James Jones saying the Packers are going to go undefeated this year, right? They don't care. Those shows don't mean anything. It's just people throwing a bone to their friends. It's cool and it feels good when we're on the receiving end of something positive, but it's dumb. And you know it's dumb, and we all know it's dumb, and it doesn't make any sense, and nobody cares or should care. Uh, overall, run defense. And again, please remember that this is an aggregate of the player grades. Because my thought is, well, the run defense was terrible. We are 20th. Not good, but not the worst. Now, part of this has to do with several people having really good grades, as opposed to others... Um, not having great grades, and also please keep in mind that tackling is a separate category. So if if I, I don't know how they split it up, I mean obviously you're not going to get a positive uh, run defense grade if you miss a tackle, but just also keep that in mind. Speaking of tackling, this is a very 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 big problem. You already know that, but it it's it's beyond. <sighs> okay, so 21 teams are average or better. Most teams can tackle. To, to a relatively decent degree. The Tennessee Titans um, had a grade of 62.2. They are the 21st overall team. Everybody else was below that. 28 teams had 50 or better. Excuse me, 29. They were tied, so it's 28-28. But there's 29 teams. So there's only three teams that were below a 50. The Dolphins were a 48.9. The Panthers are a 42.8. 
Do you know what the Packers grade was? 28.8. That is so unbelievably bad. This isn't just a player. It's horrible if a player has a 28.8 tackling grade. This is an aggregate of the Packers' defense. 28 out of 100. 60 is average. Almost every single team in the NFL had a 60, and almost beyond that, 50 is below average. Only a handful had that. And and two teams, the Dolphins and the Panthers, had bad tackling. The Packers' tackling is disgusting. There isn't a word for it. Putrid. How about embarrassing? And And listen, preseason and all that, that's cool. If you're a coach, though... No chance in the world Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin especially are going into those meetings going, well, it's preseason. Dude, this is embarrassing. If you're a first-time head coach, this shows a lack of discipline. If you're Mike Pettin and you've been doing this for as long as you have and your defense is doing this, that is beyond an embarrassment. I know they're doing something, but this has got to be better. And listen, oh, well, it's the backups. I don't care. You're a coach. These are your players. These are the guys we drafted. These are the guys we're choosing to keep. These are the guys that you are training. And this is the result. The guys that you chose, this is the result of the the training that you have given them. And it's cool if none of these guys play and the guys that do play are better. That's fine. This is still not great from a coach's standpoint. And I'm not necessarily even blaming them, but I'm just saying if I'm a coach, this is going to really upset me. Especially since, as I said, you're, you're... going to be very hard-pressed to find a good defense that can't tackle. Great defenses are great tacklers. As a matter of fact, it, it kind of levels out a little bit. I, I mentioned overall defense, um, and if you look at it, it's definitely not an indicator of what a good defense or a bad defense is, because you got great defenses that are at the bottom. Tackling, though, remember how I said the Texans were had a terrible grade? Texans are fourth in tackling. The Bears are fifth in tackling. The Denver Broncos are sixth in tackling. These are good defenses. The Jets are second in tackling. I'm thinking there might be a little bit more of a, a stronger correlation between tackling and how good this defense is going to be than there is the defensive grade and how good the defense is going to be. And again, look at the bottom. Miami Dolphins. I, I, okay, it's not a perfect correlation, but regardless, please, 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 please stop missing tackles. It is so embarrassing to watch. And again, we've been watching this for years. And I mean, we've got a new GM, we've got new players, we've got new coaches. Same problem. How? What is it about Green Bay? It's so it's so weird, this whole NFL DNA thing. There's some teams that just have a DNA, and it doesn't matter how much you switch things. It's just This is just how this team plays. When you come into this stadium, when you come into this building, I don't know what it is, the atmosphere, the aura, the city, there's just a certain DNA. Packers have great quarterbacks and defenses that can't tackle. Not including the Lombardi era, but whatever. Lame excuse, fix it. Uh, Pass rush, the Packers are 25th, and unfortunately the starters have been playing. Maybe not as much week one. Obviously there's some backups and stuff, but the pass rush does need to be better. And and listen, it's tough when you got mobile quarterbacks, but again, I'm also putting some of this emphasis on the the corners, the the coverage. You know, I'm, I'm watching sacks happen. I watched the Bears and Giants yesterday, and the Giants are coming off the ball, and they're sacking the quarterback. Because the quarterback's sitting there for 3.5 seconds. That doesn't happen. Now, there were situations where they were, you know, the for example, the quarterback breaks the pocket and goes and runs. And, you know, if that wasn't a mobile quarterback, maybe it was a sack. I don't know, maybe. But just the whole operation needs to be better. You've got to be able to cover longer. And there, there, there just needs to be more. We, we've got to see some kind of a sack or something's got to happen. Because it's, you know, it's the preseason, but still, give me something, man. 
Um, speaking of coverage, the Packers are dead last. And I, I you know, I, I, there are people that stand out, but it's it's kind of what I've been saying. It's just not good. The the guys are just open. Guys are open. They're always open. They're always going to be open. I'm tired of it. And the one thing that's really bothering me is that Jair has not been good all year. I know it's just training camp. I know it's just this and that and whatever. And fine, he's just, you know, Aaron Rodgers threw 75,000 interceptions in la- last year, whatever. But it is starting to bother me a little bit. And again, even last year, or, or last, why do I keep saying year? This week, you've got scrubs for the Baltimore Ravens. Guys, I don't even know who they are, who are just carving up Jair, and, and there's a big cushion. What is going on here? I, It's preseason, but I, I just don't like it, man. I just want to see good football players play well. I don't care if if backups aren't necessarily tearing it up. And I don't care if Ty Summers misses a bunch of tackles as a seventh-round pick in his rookie year. But, w- w- I mean, when you've got Jair that's struggling, when you've got, you know, Balaga on his face not knowing how to run block, you know, some of these guys that you just expect more from not doing anything, it's just it just raises the anxiety a little. I already know that it doesn't mean everything, but it, it just still, just just be aw- He was great last year. Already have like two interceptions by this time last year. Him and Josh Jackson and Tremont. And again, Josh Jackson looked great in the preseason. He didn't in the regular season because there's no necessary carryover. Just saying I'd like to see it. Finally, special teams, the Packers are 15th, and I think part of that is because they rocketed up. I think they were lower. Pretty good special teams effort this past week. Um, We'll get into more specific grades. Obviously, some people weren't great, but uh, J.K. has been smacking that ball around. Kickers seem to be on point. Shepard could be a potential legitimate return man. I'm I'm feeling good about it. The, The penalties are still out there occasionally, which isn't great, but significantly toned down compared to last year. Especially when you factor in how many new people are out there. It's it's a uh, it's a step up. Anyway, zooming in a bit, looking at the offense overall, um maybe not super surprisingly, but big props to Mr. Alan Lazard, who was the top overall rated player on the entire team. Excuse me, the entire offense. I, l- let me just check. Yep, highest rated player on the entire team. Um full disclosure, not a ton of great stuff going on. There was a grand total of five players that had good grades or better. And Alan Lazard was the only one that was better. 84.5 by my vernacular is very good. Terminology, whatever. The other four with high grades, pretty big shocker, but we'll get into it. Number two was Tim Boyle. Number three was Lane Taylor. Number four was Geronimo Allison. And number five was running back Keith Ford. Keith only had seven total snaps. The other guys had at least double digits. Everybody else was average or worst, uh, looking at the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, right guard, again, I mentioned the offensive line was terrible and that there was a notable drop-off when the starters left, and that bears itself out here. The the worst-rated player on the entire offense was right guard Anthony Coyle, who was down in the 20s. Justin McCray, who believe it or not, was a starter last year, was in the 30s. Gerhard DeBeer was the third worst player, just cracking 40, and then Teo Redding, the wide receiver, uh, at mid-40s. Beyond that, uh, Yash Nijman was also under 50, and there were, oh my goodness, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 players, in addition to everyone else I just listed, 
that were below 60, which is below average. Put another way, out of 37 players, only 15 were average or better. So not a super great effort. Um, some other things of note, Jimmy Graham graded poorly, not surprisingly. Equinemius St. Brown, he hasn't, you know, this is one of those weird things where coming into this, I said, there's no way we're getting rid of EQ. You start to look at the competition, you look at some of the other wide receivers and the effort that they're putting in and how good they're doing. Equinemius was a late round pick, so he's definitely not a lock. This is his second year. Again, definitely not a lock. He hasn't really done much of anything throughout training camp, a couple catches here and there. And this is the second week in a row he's been toward the bottom as far as overall players and one of the worst graded wide receivers. And we're talking 20 snaps, so it's not like he isn't on the field at all. Now, to be fair, Marquez hasn't been very highly graded either, so take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, it's just a matter of if, if when you're a guy like EQ and you're on the bubble, you, you need to be putting out effort, especially when you got guys like Jay Kumaro who had another great week. Geronimo Allison had a great week. You know, Darius Shepard graded out you know, 14th, his grade overall wasn't great. Nobody's really was, but he was relatively high in comparison to everybody else. So I mean, overall, not a super great effort, but we know that it wasn't, you know, we, we lost in pretty, in a pretty ugly fashion. Overall, looking at the, uh, the passing grades, which is the, the pass game. So that could be quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, anybody involved in, in either catching or, or throwing. Uh, the only guys that are worth noting, obviously two of them are already in the top five, but Geronimo ends up being number three in that category. And um, I believe for the second week in a row, Dexter Williams, unless I'm just remembering because I looked at these grades already, but um, terrible, 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 terrible. Uh, down in the 20s, almost 30, but still really terrible. Everybody else was 50s or above. But, uh, I mean, Dexter's got to step it up, man. I, I, week one week one was gave me a lot of hope. It wasn't great, but you look at Dexter and it's like, ooh, he's got all this speed. And you look at Rashawn Gary and it's like, man, look at that. And you look at Trey Carson and it's like, wow, look at that. And then week two is like, nobody's got anything to offer this team right now. So it wasn't quite as good. There, there are silver linings we're going to get to, but some of these guys like Dexter, man, it's just he's, he's got to step it up. That's not good enough. Uh, one of the really big highlights, and it was the same as week one, was the pass blocking. Again, and then I again I put this on Twitter, but Elton Jenkins was the number one pass blocker, and I had said in the the pregame what things I'm looking for. I want him to maintain what he did in the pass game. He did, and I want his run blocking to improve. It did. Now overall, he wasn't graded all that high, um, and his run blocking was was average. It was 63. But first of all, 63 is is decent for can you know compared to everybody else. That's that's right on par. But beyond that, remember, he was one of the lowest-graded players last year with the highest-graded pass-blocking grade. It was that bad. So, I mean, kudos to, to Jenkins for really stepping up. And as much as, again, if you look at the overall offensive grades, Lane Taylor was the number three overall. Here's the problem. His run-blocking grade was basically, it was it was good, but compared to everybody else, he, he's basically an elite run-blocker. But he had one of the worst pass-blocking grades of any of the offensive linemen. And this, you know, this this kind of bears itself out if you look at last year as well, right? He wasn't terrible. His run blocking, his pass blocking grades and, and things weren't terrible. But I think in the NFC North, he gave up one of the most amount of sacks of anybody in the entire NFC North. I mean, you guys know I'm not the biggest Lane Taylor fan. I, I don't super dislike him. I don't think he's he's a terrible offensive lineman. I just don't think he's, he, he's very replaceable in my mind. So when you spend a second-round pick on an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman, my thought is, yeah, let's let's get this thing moving here. And, you know, again, Lane Taylor's not doing a terrible job, 
But if this continues and, and Elton Jenkins continues to be, because nobody cares, right? If, if, if Lane Taylor is the best run blocker in the entire NFL and Elton Jenkins continues to be one of the better pass blockers, just let's say on the team, Elton wins the job and it's not even close. Because protecting Aaron Rodgers is infinitely more important than uh, being able to run block. So, you know, I, I've said from the start, there are a lot of people who came out and they, they said, you know, Lane Taylor's definitely the guy, whatever, because a lot of people think Lane Taylor's actually very good, and I tend to disagree. And it may not be immediate, but I, I just think, you know, especially with what we've been seeing, and we got, you know, it has to continue. I'm sure he has a lot to learn and, and all this different stuff. It may not be week one. It may not be week five. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I, I definitely fully intend or, or expect that Elton Jenkins is going to take that job, or, or a job. Who You know, maybe some craziness happens and, and Corey Lindsley gets shipped. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But in, in my opinion, as I've said, Lane Taylor is very replaceable. I don't super dislike him. When he was a backup, I thought he was one of the better backups in the league, right? I, I love having Lane Taylor as a backup because when somebody goes down, you feel pretty good about it. But I don't want him to be a full-time starter. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Beyond that, I got even more good news. The second highest pass blocker rating was Mr. Cole Madison. Now, you know, it's, uh, it's just one week. And, you know, we got to see what happens. Again, the, the, the it's preseason thing applies to bad players as well as good players. But this is a great sign. I mean, it, I think we forget because we got super hyped up about Cole Madison as though he was a second-round pick, forgetting that he's a late-round guy. There's, there's really no reason to have super high expectations for Cole Madison. But to have him step up in this way, even if he just ends up being a backup, if he can continue to play in this manner, and I understand he's probably playing against second, third-string guys, but still... I, what what I want is to get back to the days when we have a very solid offensive line, a top five offensive line, as well as depth. I, I think offensive line, at least for the fans and also seemingly by NFL teams, is criminally underrated. I, I you you will s- very scarcely ever see a team dominate the NFL without a very good offensive line. Right, the Rams have a very good offensive line. The Chiefs have a very good offensive line. The Patriots have a very good offensive line. Both times the Packers won Super Bowl's dominant offensive line. You know, look at the Cowboys. I, I, I use them as a, a case study all the time. When, when they had the best offensive line in the league and it wasn't even close, and then they get Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, they just took the league by storm. You got one guy that retires, one guy that, that whatever gets cut or, or shipped off because they can't afford to keep him. And they still have some good players, but it's nowhere near what it was. And suddenly they're just, they're not the same anymore. Unbelievably important. And, and we've already got the, the makings of a great offensive line. Billy Turner's been fantastic. He was the fourth highest graded um, offensive lineman with an 82.2 overall grade, which is very good. Um, just to be clear here, we got one, two, three, four, five, six offensive linemen with very good pass blocking grades. To put that into perspective, the Bears had one and his grade was 80.7. He barely made the cut. The Packers have very good pass blockers. That's been a tradition in Green Bay. It's a fantastic tradition to have, and it's continuing. And not only that, the top guys that we have are brand spanking new. Elton Jenkins is number one. Cole Madison is number two. Yash Nijman, who I think was one of the top ones last week, again is, is one of the top pass blockers, and Billy Turner. Number five is Trey Carson. All five of the top five are brand new to the team. So we got to see, you know, how this bears itself out in the regular season if it continues. But I'm, I'm very, very happy if, you know, if we come through this, this off season with only a couple, couple things happening, and one of them is we have a just dominant offensive line. 
even if maybe the pass rushers aren't as elite as we were hoping, but it's an upgrade, and the, the safeties aren't as elite as we were hoping, but at least we have an NFL-caliber safety group. But at the end of the day, the one thing that we nailed was the offensive line, and we, we just have a stout offensive line and depth. That's a pretty good offseason. Um, the other guy, because we had six with, with very good pass blocking grades, was Justin McCray. I like to pick on the guy, but got to give him credit where it's due. But he had the just the worst run blocking grade ever. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like ten-ish guys with, with good grades, and then just a bunch of, of, of average on top of it. So pretty much everybody was, was solid. The only major exception was Gearhard Beer, which was just terrible. Um, the other one that would be in the bad category would be Anthony Coyle, and then the three below average are Jimmy Graham, Alex Light, and Lane Taylor. But everybody else was was either average or above. You know, Adam Pankey, Lucas Patrick, Darren Hall, Farrell McKeever, Robert Tanya, Evan Bayless, Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, Tommy Bohannon, Keith Ford, Brian Balog. I mean, everybody. So that's something to be excited about. And run blocking, again, it, it's just uh, everybody's average or, or worse for the most part, with the exception of Lane Taylor, who was pretty dominant in that, that category. But even he was, was limited. I mean, he had four snaps, so who cares? Of the guys that had, you know, a lot of snaps, Alex Light, 60s. Elton Jenkins, 60s. Cole Madison, 60s. So, you know, nobody was really a good run blocker. And and that was pretty obvious if you watched the game. Um, so, anyways, looking at the quarterbacks now, again, Tim Boyle was, he was graded out as good. Manny Wilkins was average. Didn't take very many snaps, so that would explain why he's rated about average. Deshaun Kaiser was below average. Just looking at some general stats, uh, the completion percentages, Tim Boyle was 57, which isn't great. Manny Wilkins and Deshaun Kaiser were both 50. Tim Boyle threw for 107 yards, and, well, I'll just leave out Manny Wilkins because who cares. So Tim Boyle, 107, Deshaun Kaiser, 70 uh, yards per attempt. Tim Boyle was 5.1, Deshaun was 7. Tim Boyle had the lone touchdown. Nobody else had anything. Deshaun had the one batted pass. Uh, NFL passer ratings, Tim Boyle, 86.8. Deshaun Kaiser, 72.9. Tim Boyle threw six first downs. Deshaun Kaiser threw four. Now, some of these raw numbers, remember, Deshaun Kaiser had about half the amount of attempts as Tim Boyle, so you can almost double some of these if you just assume. So, for example, Deshaun Kaiser, if you extrapolate it out, would have had about eight first downs. You get what I'm saying? Bottom line is, again, none of these guys are super great. They don't take into account competition, so please remember as some people seem to forget, as I've seen on Facebook and whatnot, one guy was just in an absolute rage saying Tim Boyle is just this super elite quarterback. Tim Boyle was not going up against as good a competition as Deshaun Kaiser. And yes, it's also true that he didn't also have as good of, of players, kind of, but also kind of not. I mean, what, what wide receivers did Deshaun Kaiser have that Tim Boyle didn't? Either way, I stand by what I've said. We don't and shouldn't feel great about any of these guys. There's a lot of people right now with the signing of of whatever his name is saying, why can't we just get a quality? I think that's a fantastic question. I don't know, and I wish we would just do it. I think it's true of just about every position that you don't want to feel super thin, right? I'm I'm talking about offensive line saying we we, we should have some kind of a depth because there's going to be injuries. You know, linebacker, somebody gets hurt. It's like, man, we're really thin now. Safety, oh boy. Maybe not now, but you look at last year, that was kind of thin. We're talking about the most important position on a football team, and it's like, eh, we got a starter, so what if he gets hurt? I just, I, I don't know. I don't get the mentality. And then finally, uh, the running backs, everybody was average or below. The, the best back, the guy who had one attempt, <laughs> was Keith Ford. 
Second best back with three attempts was Dexter Williams. Third best back um, was Tim Boyle. Then Darren Hall, who was below average, and then Trey Carson, who just really did not look sharp. Again, another guy that week one you look at and go, oh, there's something there. Super indecisive, just not a great outing for uh, for Trey Carson. The team as a whole averaged 3.1 yards per attempt, which doesn't sound super abysmal, but Dexter Williams averaged 1.7. Trey Carson added, averaged 1.5. Darren Hall completely saved the entire group, um, running seven times, averaging 4.4 yards. And then Keith Ford getting his one attempt for 10 yards. That saved us, but really we're just looking at Trey Carson and Dexter Williams as the only two that might make the team. So just not good. But anyways, let's take a quick break and then we'll look at the defense, a little bit of special teams, and uh, we'll get out of here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And just like that, a 30-second ad break for you was about a 30-minute dance party break for me. Because finishing a podcast when nobody's in the house sometimes is even harder than finishing it when people are are in the house. (laughs) Look, man, I'm tired. I wanted to get jacked up. You get some music going. Then maybe the headphones go flying across the room and you tip some stuff over. I don't know. I don't know how things happen. Where does gravity come from? Right? So leave me alone. You don't know everything. So defense. The one standout performer for the Green Bay Packers was Mr. Tyler Lancaster, tearing it up in the middle of the defense. Other notables, cornerback Tony Brown, linebacker Blake Martinez, outside linebacker Zadarius Smith, and number five, Reggie Gilbert, pass rush. I don't know why I'm telling you the position like you don't know. Maybe somebody doesn't know. There's a lot of unanswered, unanswered questions today on the podcast. I don't know you very well. I don't know where gravity comes from. I don't know why pushing the pause button turns into a 30-minute dance party. Don't know a lot of things. Some of the guys on the negative side of things. Uh, dead last, as many people have uh, commented already, Mr. Ty Summers. I, I, You know, I know it wasn't as good. I guess I didn't recognize how bad it was. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it because he's definitely not the only one. But not surprisingly, his tackling grade really brought this down. The other area that absolutely killed him, not only was he, eh, he wasn't last, but he was he was really terrible in tackling. He was dead last in coverage as well. And then, you know, his, his pass rush grade was below average. Also, his run defense grade was below average. So add that up, and what do you get? Cut from the team if he doesn't get his act together. Um, second from the bottom, according to the PFFs, was Mr. Nider Rouse, Rousey. You know, I asked you guys to give me a name to call him, and I got nothing. Either way, this is the second week in a row that um, um, Rouse, Rouse was, uh, was really bad. I mentioned last week that um, if I had to guess who gets cut next, it's, it's this guy. 
and I'm probably just going to stand by that. This is two weeks in a row. Last week he was very near the bottom, if not the bottom. This week he is second from the bottom. Definitely not great. Um, third from the bottom is Chandon Sullivan, then Randy Ramsey, and then James Looney. Uh, Looney's a pretty good football player. At least he's he's shown some pretty impressive things. And overall, his run defense grade wasn't bad. His tackling grade was one of the few that was actually decent. But um, as a pass rusher, which was 50% of what he was asked to do on this day, which is probably not his strong suit anyways, he was pretty poor. So overall, not that great. I'm not worried about James Looney. Um, also, high hopes for Ty Summers. Shannon Sullivan has shown a few things, but um, I would say the three guys in the middle, um, Nidare, Watson Steen, Shannon Sullivan, and Randy Ramsey probably got to kind of get their act together a little bit. Looking specifically at run defense, there were two guys that stood out, um, Tyler Lancaster again, as well as Mr. Adrian Amos. So I'm pretty excited. Actually, I was, I was thinking about it today. I don't remember what the context of it was, but we're actually in a pretty solid spot at safety. There was a time when I remember thinking, we've got Adrian Amos and we've got Darnell Savage, and I'm excited about it, but I don't know what Adrian Amos is going to be when he leaves the Bears, and I have no idea what Darnell Savage is going to be because he's a rookie, but Amos has been decent. Savage, you know, a lot of upside, but we've also got Raven Green who's stepping up in a really big way, and Ibrahim Campbell is a guy that I've liked pretty much since he joined the team, and and Pettin has, has continued to praise him. He did it again today. So by all accounts, we've got four guys that I like maybe more than just about anybody we had last year. Obviously, Ibrahim Campbell was here last year, as was Raven Green. But I, I, I think Raven Green looks better than he did last year, and I, I don't know. I'm just I'm, uh, I'm excited not just about the players, but also the depth. I, I legitimately think we have four guys. If you want to add Josh Jones, he's if Josh Jones is our number five safety right now, assuming he even makes the team, which he might not. I'm feeling pretty good about it, but anyways, uh, two guys with good grades, which is 70s um, in run defense, Tyler Lancaster and Adrian Amos. Honorable mention, Kingsley Kiki. I wanted to add him in there just because, and I you know, I don't think he's going to make the cut for anybody that was overtly very good, but he had some flashes, did some really solid things. Obviously, he had that one play you've probably seen on Twitter if you're on Twitter, but uh, does a great job shedding a block, getting in the backfield, squaring up, and just taking a guy down behind the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure contributes to this grade here but um pretty solid outing for him and it's going to be exciting to watch him grow hopefully he can can kind of uh can kind of grow into this thing i feel like with all the draft picks he's the one that kind of gets forgotten about at least by me i don't know everybody else is but it's nice to see him kind of flashing early because we i mean we had a similar situation with uh, montravius adams where we drafted him kind of high there was a lot of hope for him and just nothing really happened and then you know now we're kind of like well maybe he's going to take kingsley's already in my opinion i, I won't say better but if I had to put down money right now, who's going to have a better year? Montrevi- Montrevious is going to get more opportunities. I don't know that he's better than Kingsley Kiki. I'll leave it at that. Uh, next up is tackling, which is just, it's unbelievable how bad this is. And and here's the thing, and everybody's already pointed to the fact that a lot of it isn't starters, and it's definitely not everybody. The Packers tackling grade is horrible because of a select few. So to put this into context, um, good or better, there were 10. We're really just talking about 28 guys and 10, which is a third, were, were good. 70s or higher. Actually, they were all 70s. There were 10 in the 70s. Blake Martinez, Chandon Sullivan, Adrian Amos, Raven Green, Darnell Savage, Randy Ramsey, Preston Smith, James Crawford, Kadar Holman, Kenny Clark. All had good tackling grades. Good to go. Average grades. Reggie Gilbert, Dean Lowry, 
Uh, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, James Looney, Looney, Montrevious Adams, Deion Simon, Trey Matthews. And then barely below average, and this is going to trigger some people, and I apologize for this, but Curtis Bolton, and we'll get to that. His grade actually wasn't very good. Again, we'll get to it. His coverage was phenomenal, but, um, you know, whatever. But then you go, so, so we've got 70s, we got 60s, and one guy that's just below 60, which is Curtis Bolton. We have zero guys, uh, nobody else in the 50s. We have zero that are in the 40s. We have zero that are in the 30s. Phone, be quiet. This is, um, do you hear the inflection in my voice? This is a dramatic effect. Keep your buzzing shut. Keep your buzzer shut. <laughs> zero 40s, zero 30s. Nine players were graded in the 20s. 20s, abysmal and putrid level bad. Those names... Remember them, shame them in the streets. I'm kidding. Don't please don't do that. I'm a little jacked up right now. The music got me going. Will Redmond, Natrell Jamerson, that one guy, Nidare. Please just change his name. Something. Give me an idea. What does that even sound like? I can't even like the Nye man. That's dumb. Rouse the House. I I I've got literally nothing. Will Redmond, Natrell Jamerson, Rouse the House, Jair, Tremon, Mike Tyson, Brady Shelton, Ty Summers, and Kyler Fackrell. All putrid tackling grades. Also, let's keep this in mind. The people saying that it's not starters that are doing it, um, of the list, again, there are nine with terrible tackling grades. Kyler Fackrell, Tremont Williams, Jair Alexander are all on this list. That's three, that's a third. Um, if Ty Summers is is a guy that you like, then we're talking about four out of nine. We're kind of at about 50%. The terrible tackling is a problem, and it's partially a problem with some of our starters. It's just a team issue right now. It's got to be better, man. Got to be better. Pass rush for the second week in a row. You know, I'm, I'm fine blaming it on mobile quarterbacks if we want to go that route, right? Because it's preseason, nobody really cares anyways, but this has to be better. Next week is against the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders' starting quarterback is Derek Carr. Their backup number two quarterback is Mike Glennon. Their number three quarterback is Nathan Peterman. Zero excuses allowed in week three. Sacks and interceptions, zero. Let me say that one more time. Zero excuses. These guys aren't exactly the face of mobility, if we want to phrase it that way. Somebody better rip somebody's head off. And I'm not going to lie, Rashawn, I know you're not listening, but if by some weird reason you happen to stumble on this and you've listened this long, you better hit somebody. Because I'm tired of going on Twitter and having people whine and complain and moan and groan about the fact that you're doing nothing on the football field. Rip Mike Glennon's head off. The guy has like a 48-inch neck. Grab it and throw it somewhere, all right? Thanks very much. Anyways, the pass rush wasn't fantastic. Kyler Fackrell was at the top, which, you know, if this continues, Kyler Fackrell might still be our best or second-best pass rusher, which just, that, that should not be the situation. Again, I'm not trying to be down on Kyler Fackrell. Much love to you, my brother. But come on, man. Zedarius, Rashawn. Preston, anyone, is anybody listening to me out there? Please. Reggie Gilbert, I mean, can you give me one regular season game? Reggie, by the way, was the second best pass rusher, but it's the preseason, so nobody cares. 
Um, but basically, he was the only one in the good category, Kyler Fackrell. Otherwise, you got a bunch of average. Actually, that's a lie. There's not a bunch of average. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven average. The rest are below average. It's just, it's not good, man. I will say, however, the, the good news, um, more than half the team was below average. Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith were were both the uh, average category. So in order, Kyler Fackrell, Reggie Gilbert, Tyler Lancaster, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Rashawn Gary. That's your top six. So for all the whining, crying, I hate Rashawn Gary folks, get out of my face. As far as total pressures, three guys had two pressures, Reggie Gilbert, Kyler Fackrell, and Zadarius Smith. Zadarius had two hurries. Kyler Fackrell had a hit and a hurry, and Reggie Gilbert had a sack and a hit. Otherwise, Kingsley Kiki had um, one hurry. Curtis Bolton had one hurry. Zeros across the board outside of that. Now, I know some of you, if you haven't tuned out already, are, are wondering and dying to know what's going on with Curtis Bolton. Why are you saying such horrible things about Curtis Bolton? It's very simple. As good as he looked, understand, he had two tackles in the entire um, outing. They were very impressive tackles. He's an intense guy. I really, really, really like Curtis Bolton. I'm not trying to say anything negative about Curtis Bolton. I'm just giving you the information. Two tackles. Now, he didn't play that much. Well, he did, 36 snaps, but whatever. He he only had two tackles. Here's the problem, though. He had two missed tackles. That is a ridiculously terrible ratio. If you have two tackles and two missed tackles, that's just not good, man. Now, it, it, here's the cool thing, though. The the stops, which are basically tackles that are impressive, right? It, it's it's less than four yards on, on first down. It's preventing a, a first down on third down, whatever, right? These, these are impact plays. Both tackles translated into stops. In other words, if I were to say this a different way, it's kind of like Kyler Fackrell getting a bunch of sacks where the pressures are ridiculously high percentage of them convert into sacks, meaning he looks better than he probably is in this game. Factor in the two missed tackles, and I think maybe I'm personally going to dial back the hype a little bit until he can clean that up. I still think he's a really intense guy. He's a really impressive guy. There's a there's a mental component to this, and if he can clean up a few things, he can be a, a, a eh. he can be a starter. We'll, we'll leave it at that. He can be a, a quality starter for the Packers. But I don't know that this is quite as good as maybe it was really hyped up to be. But the one good thing about Curtis Bolton is his coverage, which is what we're going to talk about right now. There were three guys in the good category, Will Redmond. Curtis Bolton was the second best cover cover guy on the team, and then third was Tony Brown. Uh, the people that were way down in the gutter, Ty Summers and Chandon Sullivan. Um, also, Tremont Williams, Preston Smith, and Kadar Holman all had pretty bad outings in coverage. So that more or less kind of sums up the uh, the defense. Again, I don't want to get super in-depth. I mean, I, I can tell you who was in the middle and you know where did Jair go and all that. But again, it's preseason, so I don't want to get overly specific. If you have a question about a certain player, you can ask me. I'll tell you. Not a big deal. And there's all kinds of advanced stats here that we can go into that I'm not really super interested in. But again, that's sort of the highs and lows, who did what, whatever. As far as special teams, which is the last thing we're going to do, um, one very, very good note for a guy that is, um, I don't even know if he's on the bubble, but we'll, we'll say he's at the back end of the bubble. There was one guy on special teams, exact same as last year, who had an elite, would you stop it, please, had an elite um, special teams grade. And this week, it's Mr. Jamon Moore. So a round of applause for Jamon Moore. All these are limited sample size. The fact that Jamon has never really done very much as far as special teams prior 
probably doesn't mean all that much. But again, I mean, the guy's grinding. He's still trying. He's hanging on by a thread. Let, let's just give him a round of applause. Well, can we please? Guys that stood out as being um, straight trash, no offense, although that's pretty offensive, but I don't care. Malik Taylor, Trey Matthews, Hunter Bradley, who was one of the top ones last week, Robert Tanyan, and Brady Shelton. Everybody else was average to below average. Actually, that's not true. There were uh, Will Redmond, Evan Bayless, James Crawford, and Reggie Gilbert were in the good category. Everybody else else was uh, average or below average. As far as our kickers, Mason Crosby and Sam Ficken were both average. That doesn't mean a whole lot. Obviously, when you make 100% of the kicks, that's perfect. But again, you're, you're not going to get an elite grade for kicking like a four-yard field goal. Nobody cares. J.K. Scott, however, and, and they're pretty stingy with special teams. Very rarely does anybody get anything other than an average grade. J.K. Scott had a 78.2, which is very good, or excuse me, good, bordering on very good, which is, again, very, very rare. He had a great outing. Six attempts, 317 yards. <laughs> the guy had a 52.8 yards per attempt. His net was 44.3, but again, I hate net. His long, oh my, I didn't even know this. His longest kick was 64 yards? Dude, <laughs> 64 yards, and of his six attempts, three of them were inside the 20, and his hang time was 5.05. Dude, J.K. Scott, man, <sighs> doing me a solid. I was really worried he was going to make me look dumb. This is this is awesome. I mean, this, this is elite caliber kicking stuff, right? We know he's got a leg, but he's doing it consistently. 64 yards is insane, plus the hang time on top of it. Usually it's one or the other. Either you kick it straight up in the sky and it doesn't go far, or you kick it far, but it's it's got a low trajectory and it doesn't have a lot of hang time. The guy's kicking 52.8 average with a 5.05 average. 52.8 and 5.05. Getting over 50 and over 5 second hang time is ridiculous. I mean, on any one kick, that's awesome. He's doing it as an average of 6 kicks. <sighs> Am I hyping it a little more than I should because I wanted him to succeed? Maybe. But that's still pretty awesome. Only one of his 6 kicks was a touchback. Three of them were returned. Um, and then the 31 yards of the return. It's not J.K. Scott, which is why I don't care about net. J.K.'s tearing it up, man. That's my guy. Anyways, I got to be done with this. I am making zero sense. You folks enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I will talk to you bright and surly tomorrow morning. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You just, you just had to, didn't you? You just had to do it. You happy? You got the last word in? Phone.